0: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. This is a special edition podcast to bring you an interview we did with a key lawmaker, Senator Chris Van Hollen, about how Democrats will respond to Republican tax cuts Van Hollen is one of the Democratic Party's best utility players. He's a seasoned political strategist who has chaired the campaign committees for both House and Senate Democrats. He's also a policy wonk who is steeped in fiscal policy because of his experience on the House Ways and Means and Budget Committees and currently as a Senate appropriator. CQ's budget and tax editor, Peter Cohn, talked to Van Hollen Tuesday about how Democrats will respond to the new tax package unveiled by House Republicans this week. The legislation would extend about two dozen expired tax breaks, revamp the IRS, and offer corrections to last year's tax code overhaul, among other things. Van Hollen also discussed how Democrats will try to obtain President Trump's tax returns, the possibilities for an infrastructure spending package, the impact of the midterm elections, and the possibilities for bipartisan cooperation. Here now is that
1: interview. Welcome everybody, welcome Senator. Thanks so much for being here with us this morning. Headline of the event is election impact and, and uh, tax policy in 2019. Those are two terms you don't often hear go together. This is not the sexiest topic to talk about in the wake of a monumental election that we just had. But uh, the midterms were clearly a sea change and you know, you've kind of been on both sides. Senator Van Hollen was a longtime House member. Uh, He was also chairman of the campaign committee in the House. And so he's he's actually one of the rare breeds on Capitol Hill that really gets in the weeds on both the politics and the policy. Also ranking member on the House Budget Committee. So some of the more complicated issues that Congress faces. Um, But let me ask you about the elections because I think that the narrative is kind of muddled a little bit, and we've seen a lot of comment, commentary on, on both sides of this, whether or not it was a wave, or whether or not it really just kind of was a split decision. What do you think the impact was, uh, and, and the message that voters sent on, on election day, and, and clearly it's not over quite yet. We have another one uh, being decided tonight, but uh, what's your... Message. Right.
2: Oh, I think the message was very clear, uh, which is that the voters uh, wanted a, a change uh, in what they were seeing coming out of Washington. Uh, they did not like the direction uh, the Trump administration uh, was taking us. That's why you had a big turnover uh, in the House, uh, and it was a big turnover. The only reason it wasn't bigger, we should be clear, is because after 2010, uh, there was a lot of redistricting. Uh, around the country, where Republican legislatures and governors uh, shored up a lot of congressional districts. I think if you applied this year's election to the old congressional districts, it would have been an even bigger uh, change in the uh, House. In the Senate, uh, I think it's well known for people who monitor these things closely that we faced the most difficult political map in 60 years, faced by either political party. We had you know, 26 Democrats up, only eight Republicans up. And in the end of the day, um, we won in eight states uh, that Donald Trump carried in his presidential election and Republican Senate candidates won in zero states that Donald Trump lost. Uh, So uh, given everything we were facing, um, uh, the outcome uh, in the Senate, while you're always uh, unhappy to lose good members Uh, we also picked up two seats. So uh, I would say that the message was a clear um, sort of rejection of the direction the Trump administration is taking the country, a rejection of where Republican leadership in the House and the Senate uh, was taking the the country and I know we're gonna talk about tax policy and another lesson out of here was the Republican tax plan was a big political dud with the American people.
1: So essentially voters got to look at what happened over the last two years and decided maybe gridlock was a good idea is that your sense because I mean now we have divided government and you know historically uh, and now we've got a presidential election heating up now and, and a lot of your colleagues in the Senate potentially are, are running uh, I know you're not here to make any announcements but maybe we'll uh, get a few questions from the press but we've had um, you know this is going to be an interesting couple of years so and, and with divided government can you've got Nancy Pelosi probably will be the speaker it looks like. Uh, in the House, Mitch McConnell running the Senate. What conceivably can get done to fix some of the flaws that you see in the law that passed in, in 2017? And is there anything that uh, that you'd keep from that law? Was Was there anything good that came out of it at all?
2: So, when you ask what can be done in this uh, with this particular political configuration, um, yeah, I think there there are a a few items that are possible, and then. You know, some that are, you know, people will, will try to reach uh, agreement on, but uh, will be more difficult. So, in, in the realm of the possible, uh, you know, I, the, the, you've heard a lot of talk about modernizing our infrastructure, okay? So that is something that both parties have said they want to do, Uh, but the challenge always has been, what's the financing mechanism for something like that? So let's put that aside. On tax policy, there were lots of mistakes made in this Republican tax plan, uh, and there's gonna be an effort to, I think, cure some of those problems, but the problems go much deeper than the technical uh, issues. And so I do believe Democrats are gonna be looking through the entire uh, tax plan that was just passed and looking at where we can make changes to help primarily middle class uh, folks and people who were uh, working their way into the middle class Uh, because the bill that passed uh, was a total giveaway uh, to very wealthy people, to millionaires and big corporate interests, uh, added $2 trillion to the the that over the next 10 years. And of course, now you have voices on Capitol Hill among Republicans talking about cutting things like Medicare, Social Security, Medicaid. So this was a, a a loser, I believe, for the on a public policy basis. It was also a political loser. It is really hard to pass a big tax cut where more people in the country think it was a bad idea than think it was a good idea. Uh, but that's what they succeeded in doing. So uh, we would like to and I'm sure the House is going to have a whole set of hearings and delve into some of these uh, issues that you were, we were talking about earlier when uh, the first group that was here, uh, getting rid of the incentives to move more jobs overseas, uh, actually focusing on folks in the middle class and those working their way to the middle class, um, getting rid of some of the big tax breaks for very wealthy people.
1: So it sounds like there's nothing in this law that you would like to have remained in, in in place. Is that an accurate? No, that's. I, I
2: wouldn't say that. I, okay. If you look at this this tax bill, it was sold by the Trump administration and, and Republicans in Congress uh, as some kind of tax plan to help the middle class. But when you look at the numbers and what it really does, it's this huge giveaway to uh, big corporate interests. So, uh, and and very wealthy people. There is some small benefit to folks in the middle class, and so nobody's talking about uh, changing that aspect of it. Uh, But when it comes to, you know, the tax breaks for millionaires, that will definitely be uh, revisited. Uh, As I said, when it comes to the corporate tax uh, provisions, uh, they created a system that does incentivize even more than the old system, Uh, you know, companies moving plants and equipment overseas. The the big promise, of course, was that uh, by providing these big tax breaks, you're going to see all this investment here in jobs and, um, you know, plant and equipment. We just saw yesterday General Motors uh, laying off 15,000 people, planning to lay off 15,000 people, including, I would say, in a plant in White Marsh, Maryland. Uh, They got, just by way of example, $6.5 billion in favorable tax treatment for their overseas uh, tax holdings. That was money that was supposed to come back here and be invested in more good paying jobs. Instead, they're laying off people. So this is why this was such a fraudulent argument uh, to begin with. And now the American people are are seeing it more and more every day. So a, a a lot of pieces of this will be Revisited in the coming in the coming years, uh, so that we can focus more on the middle class uh, and you know not these giveaways to big corporate interests.
1: Well, I think you know a lot of people, at least the Republicans, will tell you that that they they uh, they drafted the law as kind of a carrot and stick approach to multinational companies. And you know, I and mean, frankly, it's just as as you well know, it's it's extremely difficult to change corporate behavior in, in an era of globalization uh, increased productivity and it's just this is a, a, a kind of a, a trend that we've been seeing for the last 50 years and it's incredibly difficult to arrest when you were in the house in, in the uh, Obama during the Obama administration and in the house uh, Congress was controlled by the Democrats uh, your party you, you passed a number of, of legislative initiatives to try to crack down on corporate tax avoidance multinational uh, moving profits offshore and um, you know, and still here we are. It's, so it's almost like you know, you can you can try the um, the stick approach, you can try the carrot approach, but nothing really seems to work. It just seems, sort of seems to be the, the globalization that we live in. Is there anything that tax policy can actually you know accomplish to, to prevent more GM uh, type outcomes?
2: Well, in fact, I think, you know, the Obama administration put forward a number of ideas uh, to establish a minimum worldwide tax, essentially. Um, At a a lower rate, people were debating the range, you know, somewhere between 19 and 15 percent people talked about. Um, But that's a very different approach than was taken uh, in this bill, because in this bill, we established the U.S. uh, corporate tax rate at 21 percent, but if you're Doing you know work overseas, your U.S. tax rate is zero. Then uh, they tried to partially cure that um, by creating this whole guilty <laughs> provision. Forgive me for the it's an acronym, this is a a provision that says that we will you know try and tax uh, you know profits in tax havens. But then they ended up making a cure that was worse than the disease because they created a, a an additional incentive to um, offset whatever tax you might have to pay for moving your profits to a tax haven by moving more of your own plant and equipment and jobs overseas. So it actually took a system that was already incentivizing offshore behavior and made it much worse. Um, and I, in, unless it's changed, we will begin to see more and more the impact uh, of that.
1: So, The Congressional Budget Office, that's a good point. I know Paul was out here making a similar point earlier, but the CBO, Congressional Budget Office, probably the most impartial observer that that we know of, uh, has had some positive things to say about the tax law. They said essentially the combination of the lower corporate rate with the disincentives, uh, the the guilty mechanism, global, intangible, low tax income, the BEAT tax, it's a whole panoply of these crazy acronyms. But essentially the, the combination of these provisions would have the effect of of increasing GDP, faster GDP growth, more jobs, higher wages, more investment in the U.S. Maybe not in the housing sector, but overall more more investment, um, and uh, you know, and and companies would actually be reducing their profit shifting. So was the CBO just wrong about this? Uh, you know, is it, have we seen enough examples to to um, you know poke holes in this theory that you know maybe there were some positive economic benefits from the law?
2: Well the CBO reports that that I've seen uh, show that you do get the sugar high effect uh, in the short term. I mean nobody would doubt that when you you know throw that much money into the economy uh, you have some um, increased economic activity but if you look at their long-term growth projections they were not uh, above what they'd previously projected. In other words what they essentially predict is a short-term high and then going back into uh, the pattern of, of growth numbers that they had previously uh, had on the books. And when you look at their corporate, the, the corporate side of it, uh, they also pointed out that a lot of those, uh, a lot of the you know, capital gains benefits, the corporate tax breaks, are going to overseas bank accounts uh, because a, a large share of U.S. corporations are owned by foreigners. So when you give a big tax break to uh, corporations in the United States, a lot of that gets offshore right away in the foreign bank accounts. Uh, in fact, there was a staggering number that uh, over a period of time, because of that effect, as well as the fact that foreigners are, you know, purchasing more of our debt, that, that, that the foreign share of the corporate tax benefit is around, you know, it, it's a it's over 50 percent. I can get you in the in the out years uh, at a certain point in time. So. Um, I think, I, I think it's really important to, to keep that in mind. So the CBO analysis that I saw um, indicated that for the most part, yes, you're going to get a short-term sugar high, but in the long-term uh, you're really increasing one thing, which is the national debt by over $2 trillion.
1: So I, I want to ask you about the debt in a second, but uh, in terms of foreign investment in, in the United States, as a result, increased foreign investment, uh, is, is that a bad thing? Do you think we need, don't we need more foreign investment coming in?
2: No, it's not a bad thing to have more investment in the United States. You just have to look at all the moving parts and how they interact uh, with one another. Uh, look, I mean, there are some there are some other small provisions in this tax bill. Uh, that were good ideas. They had to invest some in, in opportunity zone type investments, uh, which this was a small bipartisan bill that got tucked in here uh, that I support. So it, 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 it's not that every single item in this huge piece of legislation was bad, but the overall thrust of this bill uh, was this big corporate tax giveaway and tax breaks for the very wealthy. I mean, uh, you know, if you're a millionaire, uh, you're going to get an average annual tax break of seventy thousand dollars uh, under this uh, piece of legislation. Uh, you know, when we went into this debate, the Democrats in the House and the Senate established a couple principles for what we would support in a tax bill. Uh, one, we said that the, the primary benefit had to go to middle class taxpayers and people working their way to the middle class. That was one. Number two, no tax breaks for millionaires. Number three, uh, it had to be deficit neutral because every time we drive up the debt, Republicans come around and talk about cutting important uh, things like medicare and social security so those were our principles this tax bill violated every single one of those principles it was primarily uh, directed toward the very wealthy and big corporations uh, instead of the middle class uh, and it added dramatically to the the debt so when democrats go back and take another look at this their tax reform um, will abide by those principles that i just laid out rather than uh, violate all those principles
1: uh, so, I, I want to talk just real quickly looking backwards and then I want to move to looking forwards but, uh, it, you know, one of the big provisions in the tax law that a lot of people seem to be saying contributed to the uh, large gains in the in the midterms was the capping of the state and local tax deduction which is a big issue in Maryland, big issue in this area generally in other states, California, New York and so forth. Um, what? And, and you know, to a to a man and and, and woman uh, in the Democratic leadership, they all seem to indicate that they, this cap should be removed. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Can is that something that you know potentially even Republicans could buy into because they you know again be giving uh, more tax cuts uh, if if you know removing that cap were to were to become law.
2: Well, you're you're right about uh, the political consequences. I mean, it's always hard to know exactly what um, you know what impact a particular policy change had on a particular election um, but uh, there was an analysis done that sort of took into account a lot of other factors and you know you had about uh, 10 or 11 uh, House members from states that were especially hard hit by capping the salt deduction lose their uh, elections. Um, I actually led a letter by a, a letter from Senate Democrats uh, to a number of the House, Republican members from those states, urging them not to undo um, uh, the salt provisions, uh, and um, they still voted for them. And you know the the results are what the results are in the elections. Uh, That will definitely be revisited. Uh, In the state of Maryland, you have about three hundred and fifty thousand households that will actually see a tax increase. Right, and these are. primarily households that are facing an increase because they are no longer able to take uh, the full uh, SALT deduction. So that will be uh, reviewed. It will be revisited, Um, and we'll just have to see how all that uh, plays out. As you know, it was sort of the first time in our history uh, where the federal government decided to tax the, you know, the taxes that uh, residents were paying to their state governments.
1: So, we've got this uh, lame duck session, which is lurching its way to a a close, uh, presumably over the next two weeks, although maybe that could be be extended. What uh, conceivably do you think can happen? We have this uh, tax bill that was introduced late last night uh, by the House Republicans. Um, It would extend a lot of these uh, expired extenders, uh, as they're called, and make a few um, so-called technical corrections to the law, the 2017 law, uh, do a few other things in retirement savings. Um, provide a little disaster relief. It seems like uh, Democrats were not necessarily clued into the release of this bill, and i uh, wondering, you know, what its chances are. Uh, right, so this is
2: a 218-page uh, bill uh, that was just sort of introduced last night, so I haven't had a chance to uh, review it. And, you know, it, it, it was sort of put together in the same way their huge tax bill was put together, which is, uh, you know, in in the dark of night, behind closed doors, without lots of hearings. Uh, And it is kind of ironic that they're now coming up with a 218-page tax bill when they supposedly just did tax reform. Um, Obviously, it wasn't really tax reform, because there were all these other pieces that were were left on the table uh, that would normally be included. So we'll take a look at the individual elements. Uh, I think, you know, Democrats are not going to allow this bill to be used as a a vehicle uh, to cure just some of the problems uh, with the, you know, big tax bill that was uh, passed last year. If people really want to take another look at that tax bill, we are happy to do it. And again, we would apply the principles That I just uh, mentioned, and so uh, there are, as you know, other provisions in there that have to deal with clean energy incentives and a whole, you know, whole array of other uh, tax extenders. Uh, People can look at them on their own merits. But as to the overall vehicle being used as an opportunity to to, quote fix some of the problems from the other tax bill, that's a much larger. uh, uh, That's going to require a lot larger effort. And as I. As I indicated, I'm, I know Richie Neal, the incoming chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, uh, intends to hold a whole series of hearings in the Ways and Means Committee, uh, which is what Republicans should have done uh, before they embarked on uh, the uh, tax bill that they passed last year for the for the wealthy and big corporations. So I think Democrats are going to do it right. They're going to take, take the time, have the hearings, and then move forward uh, in accordance with the principles that I just mentioned.
1: Um, just briefly on the on the debt question because you did mention that the CBO uh, estimate that the tax law is going to add nearly two trillion uh, to deficits over the next decade um, And you mentioned infrastructure is possibly one area of, of cooperation a lot of fixes to the tax law potentially uh, everything needs needs to be paid for so, um, you know it still sounds like there's a lot of expensive, um, moving parts on on the table, and maybe in some areas you just don't dig any deeper but don't necessarily make the, uh, improve the deficit um, picture what's the outlook for um, you know reigning in the debt over the next couple of years and, and beyond and do we even need to
2: well this is what this is one of the big you know problems that we were left with as a result of this uh, tax plan I mean they blew this uh, bigger hole in the national debt. Uh, I do believe uh, we need to be much smarter about how we uh, deal with the deficit. Uh, no, no one knows exactly, you know, what the magic number is uh, when it comes to uh, debt-to-GDP ratios. Uh, but you know, clearly it's something that we, we in my view, need to, to, to keep an eye on, uh, which is why I said that one of the principles that we would establish was is that, you know, any additional tax reform not increase the debt. Now, you're right, that doesn't address the big hole that uh, Republicans just, you know, added to the national debt. So, you know, we we can look at different ways to address that. Uh, I don't have a good solution for you here today. That's always the problem when you, when you make things that much worse. And, of course, the Republican answer, uh, at least among some uh, Republicans on Capitol Hill, has been, okay, well, now we added $2 trillion to the debt. We're going to come back and, you know, cut Medicare and Social Security and Medicaid. Um, we're not doing that. I mean, you can, you know. So uh, I, think that, uh, I think that what you're going to see from Democrats is, again, a, a review of the, the tax plan, keeping, you know, keeping the benefits of any tax cuts focused on, on the middle class, uh, making sure we eliminate the perverse incentives to move jobs overseas, um, and something that actually really helps folks uh, in the middle. After all, the promise was uh, that you're going to see these $4,000 paycheck increases. I remember that number very well. There are lots of charts that uh, Republican senators put up on the floor saying, this corporate tax rate is cut is going to result in a $4,000 pay increase, right? That hadn't happened. We know that hasn't happened. Uh, we just mentioned that GM was laying people off, not giving people pay increases. So uh, that promise was a was a, a complete uh, a, a illusion. Uh, the tax bill was a, a fraud in that sense, uh, and the American public knows it. And that's why you didn't see Republicans running on the tax cuts. Hey, that's why you had President Trump, you know, the Congress had already gone in session. He says, hey, now we got to come back and do a middle-class tax cut. You remember that? Right? I mean, the middle election, it was like a light bulb went off, and he goes, oh, that tax bill we just passed, $2 trillion. That really didn't help the middle class. We said it was going to help the middle class, but it didn't. we got to come back now and do one. Someone had, should have reminded him the Congress was already out of session. But my point is that Um, They know, they know that the public is on to this tax plan and the public sees it for what it is, which is a big tax giveaway to corporations. $800 billion, $800 billion uh, plus as of today has gone into stock buybacks. So this promise that all that money was going to be invested in hiring workers and giving people pay increases um, was just a fraud and people are on to it.
1: Thanks, Senator. I think we have time for a couple questions, and I want it since this is a newsmaker's event, I'd like to get some members of the press, if any, are here, if anyone has any questions. Yes? Do you think that there is any sort of place where you guys can get to some sort of bipartisan agreement on how to fund infrastructure?
2: So that is a good question, uh, and it has always been what's eluded us when it comes to infrastructure, right? I mean, you can... You can I think, get to some bipartisan agreement on what the overall sort of transportation infrastructure policy should be, although that is a debate in and of itself, right, Uh, but uh, funding it has always been a challenge. Now, as you may know, Senate Democrats last year did put forward a plan uh, to uh, fund an infrastructure modernization uh, program uh, using um, some of the scaling back of the tax, uh, Republican tax uh, bill revenues. For example, you know, taking the top rate back to 39%, going back to the 2017 estate tax levels. Uh, But Republicans, uh, the best of my knowledge, aren't gonna support that particular approach. So then you gotta go back and look at different kinds of um, uh, user fees, you know. at One point it was President Trump Who floated the idea of a gas tax? I don't know if Republicans are still uh, putting that forward. If President Trump wants to talk about it, he should he should tell the country that's his plan because he put forward an infrastructure plan that was was dead on arrival. Not just among Democrats, (laughs) but Republicans in the Senate rejected his his plan uh, that he put forward. So um, you know. We're again, happy to talk to our Republican colleagues about about that. It is the one area where there's been some, again, overlap uh, in terms of goals. Uh, but again, how you fund it is your your question, I, I don't have I don't have an answer to your question as to how to best finance it. I can tell you Democrats uh, could come up ways with ways to finance a, a modern infrastructure modernization plan, but uh, Republicans, apparently, want to preserve these big tax giveaways for big corporations and millionaires. Thank,
0: thank you, Senator. Um, with respect to the tax bill, the tax bill was largely written by Congress. The President took credit for it. Um, my question is, with the upcoming um, Congress, what are the prospects for the, the tenor of the committee, being a kinder, gentler committee, with uh, Senator Grassley taking taking charge on the uh, on the majority? Do you see there as an opportunity to be more um, collegial in terms of working together with the other side?
2: You know I think the jury's still out on that uh, in terms of what um, uh, what could actually be accomplished in terms of uh, tax policy. Uh, the the big question is whether or not you know re- Republicans will actually um, do as they say they want to do um, and focus you know, these, these policies on helping grow the middle class uh, as opposed to big giveaways. And I have seen no evidence so far uh, that they want to revisit uh, the tax giveaways uh, to, you know, big corporations. After all, they decided to make that the permanent part of their uh, tax plan. Clearly, their absolute priority was to provide those tax breaks to, to big corporations. Uh, I I do believe that if we continue to see, uh, you know, these kind of major plant closures uh, that we're seeing today from General Motors, uh, you know, maybe uh, Republicans will, you know, begin to feel pressure uh, from uh, some of their constituents uh, to work with us to change some of these provisions in the bill that will incentivize more offshoring of American uh, jobs. Uh, so, but I have seen no evidence of that uh, to date.
1: Anybody else? Sir? Given all the competing priorities in the tax arena, how much time and energy should Democrats spend in uh, obtaining Trump's tax returns?
2: Well, I think that uh, the Democrats should, uh, you know, uh, get the uh, tax returns. Um, I, when you ask me how much time, it should be as I understand it, a fairly simple procedure legally uh, in the Ways and Means Committee. Obviously, uh, the Trump administration can try to litigate that issue. I want to be really clear. I think that the, uh, most of the time and effort that the uh, Democrats, uh, including the Ways and Means Democrats, um, they, they intend to devote most of their effort, I believe, to having these hearings to look into the tax code uh, and trying to develop proposals uh, that uh, create a tax system that does reward uh, the middle class and working Americans. As you may know, I mean, there are a number of proposals that have been put forth uh, by Democrats, uh, both in the last two years and before, uh, to focus more of the uh, benefits on folks in the middle class. Many, a couple years ago, I proposed a a paycheck tax credit uh, for working Americans. Uh, There are a number of ideas out there um, that we're gonna pursue. Um, So, uh, but the bottom line is I think the major focus, as I said, will be looking at these policy issues, but um, I'm confident that there will be an effort to get the tax returns as well.
1: Okay, thank you very much, Senator Van Hollen, for being here.
2: Thank you, great to be with you.
0: So that was our interview with Senator Van Hollen. We have invited Kevin Brady, the Republican chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, to talk with us about his big new tax bill in coming days. But for now, thank you all for listening to our special edition podcast. I'm David Lerman, your CQ Budget Tracker. We'll be back next week for another regular edition. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes or through Spotify, Stitcher or NPR One or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for more budget news, you can subscribe to CQ.com or visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter. The handle is at CQ or at RollCall. See you next week.